You're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn, independent, listener-supported radio. I'm back, back in the New York Brian. Scott. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. <laughs> All right. I forgot it is a new year. It is. <laughs> new Year. Right. It's 2021. What yeah. am I thinking? 2020 was terrible. It was. And now was we awful. have a chance. This year is going to be much better, I'm sure. I'm sure. I mean, again, I think we've said it before. I've even suggested that we have t-shirts made. But you and I have always sort of abided by the creed of... So Pete Carroll, his core belief is, I always believe something great is just about to happen. Right. And you and I kind of live by the credo of, it can always get worse. Right, right. (laughs) (laughs) I wish I thought like Pete Carroll. I see. I like split the difference because I agree with him. Like it can always something good can always happen. But I am I am much more understanding that something terrible can also happen. Yeah. So I like like to guard against both. <laughs> <laughs> you like you like to guard against something great happening. <laughs> well, yes, to a certain degree. Well, I, I have optimism that something great might happen, but I'm I'm always quick to point out that but something terrible could happen also. Yeah. Never lose sight of that fact. Never. But never. yeah. Maybe this will be last year was bad. Maybe this year will be good. You know, it's funny. I had a habit during the Trump years. I, I kept saying that I I thought I predicted on New Year's Eve for several years of the Trump years that the next year was going to be so bad that it would come to be called the bad year. Because I just had this terrible feeling that Trump was going to do such a terrible job that something terrible was going to happen. <laughs> and it didn't happen for, you know, the first three years. And then this year, I think it's fair to say that that this is the year that that I was I knew one of these years was going to be really really bad and it was this one what happened this year that was so bad <laughs> you're right that's true just some a hoax actually a stolen election that's what happened that's true a right that's the travesty election <laughs> right. forget how many people died on a daily basis right and also of course the giants didn't make the playoffs no. <laughs> The no, cr- true that's, crime. <laughs> that's 2021, Brian. That's true. But a true crime was committed. <laughs> it was almost, do you think Doug Peterson, do you think he spent time planning, like knowing, okay, well, either way, because like, right, if, if, if we won or Dallas won, it didn't really matter. The winner of the game needed the Eagles to win. And you got to figure, based on some of the decision-making last night, that Doug Peterson either decided independently or was given a mandate from on high not to win that game. Yeah. So do you think that like he took time to strategize the most painful way he could punish <laughs> the winner, the fans of the winning team in the earlier game? It felt that way. It sure felt that way. What a weird – it was so weird. Did you watch that game? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it was such a strange – thing where all of a sudden i mean it was a super close game at 17 14 you kind of had this vague feeling that the eagles were actually going to pull it out yeah like washington seemed really tight about the whole thing and you know right as it seemed like the eagles are on the cusp of winning this game is when you get this like you start seeing on twitter that like Sutfeld Sutfeld is warming up (laughs) and you're like what why and then he's out there and he looks like a deer in the headlights couldn't have looked less comfortable or confident I don't know. It did seem personal, the whole chain of events. Right. I, so I was watching it on uh, on mute on my iPad. So Nicole and I are watching a movie together, and then 
Uh, I got for Christmas, I got this nice little, it's like this pillow, but it's a case that you, I could stick my iPad in on the bed. And so, but I'm watching it with no sound. And all I'm seeing is, is like, it's a, it's a tight game and a lot of camera shots of Alex Smith's ankle. Right. So, and I don't have any sound on, but I'm like, oh my God, it's going on. It's like happening. And then, right. Same thing. All of a sudden you're just like, I look at the glance back at the screen and I'm like, where's Jalen Hurts? And, yeah. then, and then my phone starts blowing up, and it's you and Matt, and I'm like, what's going on? <laughs> right. No, yeah. And then, I mean, Sudfeld, you know, I don't know. I'm torn by the whole the whole kerfuffle over it because, like, on the one hand, I totally agree with the people who are like, the Giants didn't deserve to make the playoffs. They were 6-10. and 10. They were a terrible team. You know, like, they have no gripe, really. The Eagles are allowed to do whatever the hell they want. On the other hand, I'm, I'm like, you want to be like, but come on, have a little sympathy for the experience of watching that go down. And it's 17-14. And hey, maybe we don't deserve to make the playoffs, but the fact remains, we have the opportunity to make the playoffs. And all we need to have happen is the Eagles to win this game. And they're on the cusp of winning it. And this absolute chump comes <laughs> off the bench who just, you know, for no reason and no rationale, like we wanted to get a look at him. Why? in that spot like wouldn't like you're also trying to evaluate Jalen Hurts like wouldn't you want to see how he reacts to this like situation and like isn't it more valuable to get a better look at him like right that was, was nonsense gained? I mean a guy goes out there he drops the ball immediately <laughs> <laughs> throws an interception that was horrible I mean couldn't have looked worse so it was just bizarre and like so excuse any giant fan who had a reaction of like Screw this, you know? Also, newsflash, Washington does not belong in the playoffs either. They don't right, deserve no to be does. there either. Right, none of us did. So everybody has equal right to, you know, feel however they want to feel. So, right, so how could you blame any a Giant fan sitting there not being a little bit annoyed that this was going down? <laughs> right. And complaining about it. Even though, yeah, the Giants are terrible. They don't deserve to be in the playoffs. They're not a playoff team. All of that. Like, the Eagles can do whatever the hell they want. Like... They want to evaluate Nate Sudfeld. They have that's their right. Like no one's saying a crime was committed, but it was weird. And I right, I'm sorry. There's no you no one can tell me that Doug Peterson like didn't know what he was doing. Or at <laughs> least like, he knew. He knew. Right, right. He knew. Even if it wasn't intentional, he also knew what was going to happen, and he was standing there knowing it was happening. Yeah. I saw, I heard Dan Orlovsky on ESPN, I thought, said it pretty well. Like, it's one thing to be to say, we want to w- evaluate Nate Sudfeld, so he's going to play this game, or he's going to play the second half. But it was like, you took him out, you took Jalen Hurts out literally right at when the game was being decided. You know? Right. So, like, he played right. the entire game until the outcome was in doubt and looked like like and and and, he, and his point too was like if they were down 14 and you want to throw Sudfeld in there whatever but it was literally at the moment when we you could still win that in comes Nate Sudfeld to ensure a defeat I mean it's, it was hard to like feel any other way about it and that was strange no it was a total pro wrestling move it, right. like it was it was like stone cold's music hit and it comes out right. and gives Jalen Hurts a stunner and then, right. and then us and then but is he doing that do you think Doug Peterson was just like screw them like well 
No. What what no. is going on in his mind? I well I think it was I think it was predetermined. I could be, you know, totally irrational about yeah. this, but I think it was it wasn't like it wasn't like in that moment he's standing on the sidelines and being like, "Do I win this game or do I put in Sudfeld?" <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> Go like, in there, Sudfeld. <laughs> Where's Sudfeld? Give me Popkey. <laughs> He's good. He sucks at two sports. Um, No, I think it was, you know, he probably went into the game. Well, first of all, you know, Doug Peterson has a certain amount of job security, you would think, based on what he did last night. Like, you know, Adam Gase, I I think he was done no matter what. And and so you would see why a guy like that is going to coach like crazy, right? Because – you know what he doesn't owe the Jets really anything. I think Peterson kind of knowing that he was going to stick around and knowing that the direction that the franchise is going to have to go in, especially given the way that the year went, I think he had it in his head as he planned for the week that you know if we're basically if we're in a position to lose this game, what would we then have to do to ensure that? You know, and then that's just what he did. Like I think that he saw an opportunity. Just like anything else, like if we have an opportunity to run this trick play or this fake punt or this whatever, we're going to run it. And so I think he's like, if we have an opportunity to lose the game on offense, I'm going to put in Sudfeld. (laughs) And the opportunity to lose the game presented itself, so he put in Sudfeld. I don't know that it was like, you know, one time I went to MetLife and I got booed and I didn't appreciate it. So here's what I'm going to do. But I think he knew what he was doing. Right. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to make of it exactly. It's weird. You know, it's funny because there was the, that Jason Kelsey clip going around of him earlier in the year about, you know, winning programs. All they focus on is winning the game. And, they, you know, whether it's evaluating young talent like that, you can't think like that. And that's this organization doesn't do that, blah, blah, blah. You know, and then they, they did kind of the exact opposite of it. But it was like I remember at the time seeing that clip and thinking like, everybody was applauding it. Oh, this is so great. Even though it's one of those things where everybody's applauding, even though we all know that it's not true, you know, that, that every franchise does this, that they lose games or they, you know, they rest guys um, when they have playoff berths, you know, locked up and they like, it's this weird useful fiction where it's like useful as an attitude to bring. But we all know that there's a lot of times where you, you won't care about winning if there is another goal or, and even the giants who famously, you know, went decided that they were not going to let the Patriots go undefeated and play that last game, even though they had a, a playoff berth wrapped up the next year, the giants rested guys yeah. when they had the playoff berth locked up. And so, like, it's, you know, nobody – it's one of those useful fictions that is kind of like and, – and the Eagles sort of put it out there, like, in a plainly that, like, yeah, everybody has their own agendas. And there are absolutely times when winning takes a backseat to some other objective. Yeah, and there's probably times where it may seem like logically you shouldn't want to win, but there's some – other factors, like in the case of the Jets, where a lot of the players are going to be gone and the coach is going to be gone and they don't really owe the organization anything or feel that way. And then they're going to try and win, even though it it clearly makes more sense to lose. Like, it's well, just not always... those guys have they have jobs to worry about. Like, they yeah. can't go out there and look bad, you know, like, they, they, yeah, they don't they can't think like that. But do you coaches, th- maybe do you think Doug Peterson knew what he was doing or do you think it just 
I, I really don't know. I don't know. I like, I guess my, I would, I don't think he was like, I want to lose and this will make sure we lose. I, I, I guess my hunch is he was like, I really want to get this guy in the game and I'm going to do it and I don't care. And but why really does he want him in the game? I don't care. <laughs> I don't know. It just, maybe he wants to see him in live action. You know, they have to, they got to do something at quarterback next year. Um, you know, I mean the little, the, 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 thing about hurts is like i don't he's i don't know that he's good you know i, I agree so, yeah um, not as your starter or as your yeah you know yeah so he maybe had he's already made that decision and he's just like wants to know if this is a guy he wants on the roster next year i, I don't know i mean i i don't know it seems hard to imagine he was like all right lay down <laughs> let's go out there and lose but i don't know i mean it certainly had that effect so i don't know he know what he he knows what he did. He knows what he did. He, he knows what he did. You did this. Peterson. Yeah. <laughs> With a D, no less. Peterson. <laughs> oh God. But you know, so yeah, we'll get back to I mean at the end of the day, look. The Giants, they finished six and ten. They got a nice win there at the end. Um I was was had started to think, boy, it would be nice to get in the playoffs, play the Bucks. Oh yeah. That would have been a fun thing to just to see if we could torture Tom Brady, make it difficult on him. Even if we could make Tom Brady sweat, that would be worth making the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, but ultimately, the Giants fall short. A decent win. Played okay. It was an entertaining game. But I'm, like, struck by – I'm leading this Giants season, and I saw, like, there's such this <laughs> dividing line of, like, what happened to the Giants this year. Like, are they an up-and-coming up team? And there's much to be – looking forward to or like is that all a bunch of bull and they're not any they're not you know what i mean like and yeah. they have nothing and maybe this is the closest they're going to get to a division title for a while you know and i think like how they feel about that how you and i should feel about that like i'm totally torn i really have no i don't i don't have a opinion really um i don't know where where did it leave you well i yeah, I think that there's a couple things happening here. I think that, number one, I do think that we have what can be a really solid foundation. I think Judge is the crux of it. I think that now that we're, we're done with the season, I have confidence that Judge is a good head coach or that he knows what it takes to be a good head coach. And I don't think that means he's perfect necessarily, but I think that some of the areas in which he's lacking are either – uh, areas where he can improve or even, you know, if there are areas where he doesn't improve, like, look, Coughlin wasn't perfect all of the time, but he was overall so good that it, it got us going in the right direction. And I do feel confident that we have that with judge. Um, and so I do think that that having a good head coach, like, I don't think you can be very good without a good head coach. So I think the fact that we have that sets us up to be good. But we also still have a lot of things that we'll need to do for that to actualize and and come to life. And that is still a lot of a lot of uncertainty on that end of it. So I guess my answer to you is, well, we're promising in that there's a possibility. It's not off the table that we're going to be good and this is all going to go in a very positive direction. But – a lot of other things need to go right for that to come to fruition. And I don't know for a fact whether those things are going to happen. 
Right. I mean, I agree. I think the Giants, too, are really sold on Judge. You can kind of get the sense that he's in charge now, like fully. Just the way he's talking about the way he talked about Daniel Jones and that, like, you know, that's his guy. The stuff I'm reading about he and Gettleman, that they have a good rapport. But I but I get the sense of it that it's like Judge is going to be making a lot of the key decisions, even personnel wise. Like they wouldn't do anything that Judge doesn't want them to do. Yeah, um, is my sense. Um. And I can tell myself like good story, like a good story about the Giants where like, you know, they've got some talent on the defensive line now, um, you know, got a good player at every level in the defense, defense coordinators. I really love, I think on, I think on offense, they have a few complimentary pieces. The offensive line, I think was going to continue to develop. Andrew Thomas turns out, I think that pick is looking better and better. It's going to be fine. And then, you know, but, and then, so if we went in this off season and we got a number one receiver and Saquon Barkley comes back and he's good and maybe we add another playmaker and then we add a couple pieces on defense and the giants come back and they, and they're, they're ready to go. And then it comes down to Daniel Jones, you know, and, I, and it's like, I don't know. <laughs> I want to like Daniel Jones. I like things he does. I like his athletic ability. I like his personality. I like a lot of the stuff he does, you know, but we've played 16 games, Scott. We played 16 <laughs> games this year and he didn't play great in a single one of them. Not one. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Not one. Not one of them. Did he play really, really well? He played okay in some of them. He wasn't bad in some of them. He wasn't great. In he was unlucky in a couple, but yeah, right. Totally. He didn't play. He didn't play a single good game. <laughs> yeah in a full season of football that's very true so he had games that weren't bad but none that were really good so you know okay maybe we <laughs> maybe we do all that stuff and we put it all together and then he's just okay and maybe we're okay look i can live with okay giants come back and they're nine and seven or something next year i'm okay yeah I, I, I'm, I'm okay we don't have to win the super bowl every year you don't have to be the chiefs Everyone wants to be the Chiefs. You don't get to be the Chiefs right. that often. Okay? Right. Only the team with Patrick Mahomes gets to be the Chiefs. Right. Right. Look at yeah. Right. Houston Texans have Deshaun Watson, one of the best quarterbacks maybe I've ever seen in my life. They stink. Stink. So it doesn't. You know, I'll take nine and seven. That's fine. And I think that's. I think there's potential for that. You know, I could see that. Yeah. I could also see it where he's even worse next year. You know, and it it becomes. You know, then it's a real problem. <laughs> so Dan, Which I, don't think. I, I still ultimately think, you know, I think he'll be better, but it, it's a big question mark. Yeah. Well, so Dan Duggan tweeted out today that we're going to hear from uh, John Mara and Dave Gettleman on Wednesday, and he said that that's a decent indication that we're going to have Gettleman announced around for another year. And you and I were texting about that uh, yesterday or Sunday, uh, and and so. We were saying that that's terrible, but you can almost live with it because I'm more confident in the idea that Judge has a bigger voice in that room. Is in charge, ultimately. Yeah. 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 I still don't, I cannot accept Dave Gettleman's return as the general manager of the New York Giants. The only role for Dave Gettleman I find acceptable is if the Giants want him in an advisory role where, let's say, they know they want to take a guard in the fourth round. And there's a guard they like from Oregon, and there's a guard they like from Indiana. And they go, Dave, which one do you like? And he says, I like the guy from Indiana. And maybe that's 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Right. And that's taken into account. That's fine. Or there's a corner from UCLA that they've been scouting and they like, and they go, Dave, we want you to take a look at the film. And what do you think of this guy? That's fine. Dave Gettleman cannot be the GM. Like, that's ridiculous. You know, I mean, that's just like such a joke. And the idea that anybody thinks that's okay is so ridiculous because uh, he found a, you know, there's a couple pieces you could point to. Oh, well, you like Dexter Lawrence? I do like Dexter Lawrence. I would hope, <laughs> I would hope he found one or two play. You know what I mean? He's been here three years. We've right. lost a thousand games, you know, there's a lot of guys I could point to, you know, when you, you name me one player you like as evidence that he's a genius, you know, I could name a lot of players you won't like. And be, well, what about that guy? What about this guy? You know, and even things like, you know, when we tr tried to give Dave Gettleman a break about, you know, that the giants kind of tasked him with getting one more run for Eli. And maybe that wasn't his fault, you know, but could he have failed at that, at that task? Oh, more. Right. I mean, Nate Solder was a horrendous signing golden <laughs> Tate. He trades Odell Beckham like Jonathan Stewart, who's like 45 and couldn't play anymore. You know, like, I mean, Omame, that ridiculous guard he gave big money to, like, it was a total flop. Every move he made trades for Alec Ogletree, like, right. none of those moves even worked out a little. Right. And now that you're listing out the players, it's I don't know how any one of them was going to help Eli. Oh, right or what? Had it, like made any sense of, even if you're saying like we want to win now it's like what what are these moves then like <laughs> let's get golden tape like right and so then he, they 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 change gears and they want to do in this you know rebuild and so then he makes a lot of very risky moves you know <laughs> like drafts daniel jones number six and look i'm i'm even putting that i'm giving him that one as like a win right even though that's that's not fair at all. That's that's being very generous. Very generous. Yeah. And like, you know, okay, just the players I like. Good for him. <laughs> for God's sakes. I hope he didn't bat zero. Right. And and the best GM in the league's not batting a thousand either. Right. Nobody, nobody does. Yeah. Nobody's perfect and nobody's perfectly bad either. But right. I mean, you tweeted it, I think, but Dan Duggan wrote the fairest piece possible on Gettleman, the pros and the cons, the case for right. and the case against. And some paragraphs I read like five times just because the stunning nature of how right. terrible those decisions were. Like, the scale of them. We've talked now about how much we love Leonard Williams. and But even Leonard Williams, right? Gettleman brought Leonard Williams in here. Congratulations. What we did was we traded away draft picks and then paid him $16 million, all for the right to be in a bidding war for him. Right, right. To maybe not get him or pay him an absolute fortune. Right. Yeah. If you were going to do it, you could have locked him up last year for less. Right. And just had the confidence of your convictions. And maybe we have Leonard Williams on a bargain right now. And then you, I'd be, then I'd say, wow, what a job Dave Gettleman did. Right. But that's not what he did. <laughs> no. No. And two – you know, yeah, any trade three years later, it's going to take, it's either not going to look as great as it was or it's not going to look as bad as it was. And you see the same thing with the Beckham trade. It's like, oh, well, you know, Jabril Peppers is playing really well. And, you know, we got Dexter Lawrence and now we have a strong run defense. We have a strong defense overall. Like, great. We have no offensive weapon weaponry at all. Like, we don't know Beckham would have gotten injured for us this year. I mean, we don't know that he wouldn't have either, but it's just, it's not like, especially when more time goes by, it can't be just a one-to-one. -one. Like, we have Peppers and Dexter Lawrence, and Odell Beckham is hurt, therefore we won the trade. Because so much time has gone by. 
Oh, and also the circumstances of the trade are very damning. Like they signed Beckham to a huge contract and then traded him and had to eat like twenty million dollars. Yeah, you know that's not shrewd roster maneuvering. <laughs> no. So like again, if the, if the, if the Giants are thinking about trading for a tight end, and they want Dave Gettleman, they're Dave. What do you think of that guy? I'll I'll listen to his opinion. That's fine. He can be a voice in the room. They can make give him some title that he. And and they can thank him and they can point to these things he did and they can say, Dave, we, what a job you did, really. We were so, so grateful and thankful. He cannot be the GM. It's no. ridiculous. And, and so if, if, we've, if you could only get rid of one, you have to choose one. John Mara calls you, Brian. Right. I'm, I can't fire two guys in the same year. <laughs> I just can't do it. I've said this to you before. John Mara is a guy that I would love to be my boss. I just don't yeah. want him running my professional it's sports true. franchise. He's a great man. He really is a great yeah. person. <laughs> so he calls you, Brian. You can fire Dave Gettleman or Jason Garrett. Only one. Who are you firing? No, they're both gone. There's no only one. They have to both go. It's just they do. <laughs> I don't even get why we're having that conversation. You know, it's like it's just to me, it's a, such a failure of who the Giants are. It's like, no. Right. No, I you mean, know. I don't get why Jason Garrett was ever even allowed in the building. I, get no, him in, I'll I give you. He, you know, yeah. he can come in. Garrett, I don't know. How did we let him in? He used to be a Giant. I still don't get why Jason Garrett wanted the job um, in the first place. But Me either. Who's hiring him now? You know what I mean? I like, presumably he did it to just sort of polish up his resume. But who who wants Jason Garrett after this year? Yeah. No, and I mean he was coming off a stint where he was like a ten year head coach. He'd made the playoffs a bunch of times. Like, couldn't wouldn't some might wouldn't maybe like the Los Angeles Chargers have been interested in Jason Garrett, but now they're not going to bring him in to like ruin their rookie quarterback. Who like, right. you know, like <laughs> I mean, he might have been an interesting candidate for some of these jobs, but I, I can't see it now. Um, that's so true. Like I hadn't thought about it until you just said it, but it's so true. Daniel Jones had, did not have one great game this whole season. No, he didn't. None. And look, I still believe in him like in some, in some ways, but I'm like, I'm, I'm so like, am I just a fan? And I just bought my son a Daniel Jones jersey for Christmas. And I would love for Danny Dimes, this kind of goofy kid that we drafted and everybody thought we were dumb. For him to be good, is that part of it? Like maybe, you know, like it's hard to look at. Like I, you know, I'm just looking at some, some people who I follow um, on Twitter, and there's one pretty good guy. I forget the guy's name actually, but anyway, some of the more like advanced breakdowns of quarterback rankings, and I mean he's right near the bottom in like every category. You know those like um, completion percentage above expectation where yeah. you know yeah the, all yeah, that yeah. stuff and epa he's he's near the bottom of the league in every category you can think of and yeah. then if you if you don't like those stats and you want traditional ones well he's terrible there too <laughs> like did he turn did he cut down on the turnovers a little yeah you know but he was also asked to do less so i don't know if that's good or bad you know like um i, I don't know i mean i i would i'm I'm comfortable with the Giants bringing him back and bolstering the team, but I do think it's a big concern that we're here next year and maybe we have improved the roster and things around him. And then it's like, Oh, he's just okay. Um, and then you have to figure out how much to pay. Him. I don't know. You know, quarterback has become such a cluster. Like it's so important. It's so expensive. 
it's just so difficult now. You know, like you talk, I mean, people are talking about the Dolphins and people are like, maybe the Dolphins should draft a guy because they're going to have that Texans pick. And Tua, who knows, you know? And like, oh yeah. man, I guess that's true. Maybe. But on the other hand, like, God, he showed a little something. Like, shouldn't they stick with him? They just drafted, <laughs> you know, wouldn't they be better just surrounding him with talent? And it's like, yes, except that, like, you can't get, once you're stuck with these guys, like, even like Kirk Cousins, who's good. But he's making so much money that the Vikings, like, can't be that. You know what I mean? It's just, like, yeah. it's so tricky. Yeah, I guess. So, Jones now has two years left on his deal, plus we have a one-year option with him, right? Yeah. Okay. So, just left three years with him. He's really didn't have any talent around him this year. You know, Saquon was hurt, and his the receivers sucked. Like, yeah. I, I would say – so I, I would be confident saying that Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields will be better than Daniel Jones. The other guys, though, you – I don't know. Like, if you had to make a bet, is that BYU kid going to be better than Daniel Jones? As Like, today, what would you bet on? Who would you bet on? I like him. I, you know, I liked him more than Fields for most of the year. Like, Fields was so good in that game the other night, and we can we'll, – we'll – cheers to your Buckeyes in a, in a second that like he made me reconsider that a little bit um and like so I and I was like very much with the Jets that like I thought they should consider um keeping Darnold but now I think they got to take they should just take fields and trade Darnold because they'll still get something pretty good for Darnold he's 23 years old people love him around the league I think that you know so so I think that they just do that um but like for the Giants like the only I would say if they had any chance at getting Zach Wilson, I would give it a good look. But after that, like, I'm not replacing Daniel Jones with like Kyle Trask, right? Like, why would I do that? Well, yeah. Mac Jones, I don't see that at all. Like, um, so I, yeah, I mean, it's sort of moot. Like, I guess it's moot, right? I, the Giants couldn't be more committed to the guy. Well, right, um, that's we don't what know I mean. Who the GM is so maybe the G, maybe that if they have a new GM. I just, man, dude, I mean, God, the whole Gettleman thing. If, I mean, it, like we're talking, it's two or it's Monday right now. Gettleman is supposed to talk later in the week. If that, the message that is delivered is like, can't wait to be back next year and, and finish the job. I'm just going to be like, you gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. Oh God. Brian, it's happening. Like it's right. happening. You said it to me, and I you said it to me because I I have felt I would say, yeah, no. Last year it was with Jason Garrett. The year before it was with Daniel Jones. At, like the, la the at least those two off seasons, I have experienced. Maybe the year before it was Pat Shermer. I have experienced all those years of Giants fandom feeling like the evil henchman in Austin Powers, who he runs over with the steamroller. Where the steamroller moves like one mile an hour and he has a good 50 feet and he's just standing there going, no, and then he just gets flattened. That's what being a Giants fan has been in these off seasons. Like you're telling me uh, in the lead up to that draft, we're drafting this kid out of Duke. We're drafting this Daniel Jones kid. And, you know, a month before I'm like, what are you talking about? We're not drafting him. We drafted him. And then same thing about whether it's uh, what was it? What was it last year? 
I guess last year it was not. It was oh, it was hiring Jason Garrett. Like we we're not gonna hire Jason Garrett. And then the fake out of we hired Judge. But then they bring in Jason Garrett, and it's like these things from the Giants that you just know is gonna happen because you just kind of have a sense of how they've been run over the years, and you know it's so stupid, but they're doing it. And I just yeah. I would love it if we could uh, maybe get a live filmed reaction of of you hearing Dave Gettleman with his Boston accent talk about how he's here to stay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, I, I'm not, I don't know. I mean, I'm not done with Daniel Jones. I don't think it's like, I'm not one of these people who's like, throw him in the trash. He stinks. But like, I don't know. I just don't know what, where this uh, franchise goes from here. I, I hope we're on the upswing, but like, there is this real part of me that's worried that we're not and we're we're just we've been lulled into this sort of feeling of like something was happening because we were in the worst division of all time and it looked like <laughs> we suddenly had a chance to make the playoffs and actually we're still as lost as ever and uh we're all about to be miserable. I think that's most likely. Yeah. <laughs> like we stink. Right. I mean, I, I do agree with you. I, I didn't watch much of the BYU kid at all, so I can't say. I, we, we, we forfeited the possibility of getting Lawrence or Fields long ago. Um, and then I just don't think anybody, any of the, the Alabama kid or the Florida kid, I, I don't think they're necessarily better than Daniel Jones. I do think it's better to just stick with what you have there. But, yeah, we talked about the draft. Like, what are we going to – we talked about it last week, and I agree with you. We need to prioritize offense. We need to prioritize – a wide receiver. I do think our defense is legit. You know, you do like, I guess there's an outside hope that if we get Daniel Jones, a weapon or two that with that defense and the coach that we have there, that will at least be like a real team. Yeah. I mean, I think that's possible. I mean, I guess I'm, um, I don't want to be overly negative. Like, like I said, like I could easily see the giants being like a nine and seven team next year with the right moves. And, where Daniel Jones is pretty impressive. Like, I mean, again, it's just becoming so hard to evaluate these quarterbacks and people are getting crazy about it. Like this guy's great. No, he's terrible. You know, week to week, Jalen hurts. Oh my God. He's awesome. Like, Oh, he stinks. (laughs) It's like, but the reason is because like it's one so important to whether you're good or not. And then it's so quick. They so quickly become so expensive and you have to make these decisions on these guys. And you know, you can't get stuck with the wrong one. Um, but I'm not as afraid of I'm not as afraid of being like a, a team that ultimately can't maybe isn't good enough to win it all, but is pretty good. And Daniel Jones is like okay, and 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 it's frustrating. Like, that wouldn't be the worst thing to me. Like if we're the Rams, and we've got Jared Goff, and he can't really get us over the top, and boy, we're overpaying him, and this is actually holding us back. But we're good. And we won ten games this year, and we're in the playoffs. Like I don't, that, it's not the end of the world, <laughs> you know. That's not so bad. Like I think people uh, underrate that to a degree. So, and I, I still think Daniel Jones could get there. Um, so I don't want to leave people on too much of a pessimistic note. But I do think there's a real question mark of whether the Giants are this like up and coming team, <laughs> or if actually this is going to be the closest to an NFC East crown we get for a while. <laughs> and I think that those are fair. Yeah, no, I think that's perfect. I think that's a good note to end with on the Giants because uh, we'll, well, I mean, we'll obviously we'll, we're going to know a whole lot more come Wednesday when we actually hear from the owner and the GM. So uh, 
for now, I think that's probably the best note to to end some Giants stuff on. Uh, Brian, you're listening to Giants Among Men on Radio Free Brooklyn. Thank you for listening to Radio Free Brooklyn. Your support keeps us going. All right, I'm just going to do like five quick minutes here on the Ohio State University. <laughs> just the Buckeyes, Brian. The The absolute smacking they gave Clemson was an absolute delight. And I know that you're not really a Buckeye fan, and I know how universally everybody finds Buckeye fans so obnoxious. But <laughs> Clemson, I mean, how do you not hate Clemson at this point? How does anybody in their right mind not hate Clemson? I hate Clemson. I was happy to see your Buckeyes get the big W and and send Davo Swinney to the toilet. <laughs> he ranked us 11th in the coaches poll. Right. And then like, double down on it. For and also like the whole like he did it because they only played 6 games as though he was trying to like needle them for it. Like god forbid we took the pandemic mildly seriously. Right. <laughs> Excuse us. Yeah. And oh god. Ohio State actually was insane about how hard they were pushing to play even at, when right. the, when it was bad they were never the ones who were it was the big 10 the commissioners and other schools in the big 10 but ohio state the whole time was like we need to play like we got to play and, yeah. and and then just to come in and absolutely dominate i mean we dominated them and yeah. i don't know how did it play on your end obviously i'm a fan and i have such a strong rooting interest i really didn't feel safe until it was over over but like, did you get the sense that we just kicked them in the teeth? Yeah, I didn't. I mean, it didn't feel close at all. It didn't feel like Clemson had any chance to. to they just couldn't stop Ohio State ever. Yeah. Um, and they just couldn't. So they like you, and you just didn't think they could. Yeah, I mean, we just we dominated them up front. Like we were so much better than they were up front that yeah. we really dominated the game. But then once we unleashed that wrinkle of an injured Justin Fields throwing 60-yard bombs over their defense. Yeah. It, then it was just like, there's nothing you guys can do. Yeah, yeah. No, and that was the thing where, I, like I said, I've been kind of hesitant on him. I Like, the arm strength I just at times hadn't seen with him, but, like, he threw some really impressive balls in that game. Yeah. Um, and he was awesome. And then that running backs, you kind of emerged. Trey Sermon, is that his name? Yeah. Um, he was like unstoppable. So it was fun. It was definitely fun to watch that Clemson team just get run over. I know. And to so see of that guy, Trevor Lawrence, you see like the Under Armour sleeve he had, it was ripped yeah. and like, Oh, we just kicked the crap out of him. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what a college, just a, the college football man is just a gross spectacle. This, this whole season though, it's just been oh awful, upsetting, awful. Just like them just marching on. They don't give, they don't care at all about, who gets sick or what happens and just this march. I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm glad it sounds like, is it next year the name and likeness stuff kick in for these guys? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Just, can they just get a little paid something? Like what is the problem? I like, I just don't understand. Wouldn't it just make you enjoy the game more? It's like so weird to watch this thing. Yeah. Well, I think too, like uh, the pandemic was so bad for it because there was a lot of time and energy that we were able to focus on. Like, why are they playing? The only reason they're playing is because of the money. Right. You right. Know? And, schools. Yeah. Yeah. And then once that there was a real spotlight on that this year and everything just felt more and more and more disgusting. Um Let's maybe devote a little bit more time to this next week when hopefully uh, the Buckeyes have been crowned national champions of college football, in which case it was obviously the right thing to do to proceed with the college football season. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But if Alabama wins, it's a travesty. And uh, why did they even play?
Um, so what we're going to do now to our fans out there is we are going to bring on a friend of ours, Matt Innes, a huge Knicks fan. And uh, we're just going to talk a little Knicks basketball and, and things might get a little weird. Uh, they might get a little intense. We don't know what direction things are going to go we, in. We don't know what to expect. Yeah. <laughs> Make it hostile. We'll see. Yeah. So here we go. Okay, very special treat this week. We are joined by longtime fan, maybe not necessarily of the podcast, but just longtime fan of uh, you and Brian. Yeah. Okay. I'm a fan of you and Brian. Okay. Matthew Innes has joined us to talk a little Knicks basketball. Matthew, how are you? I am very good. Thank you guys for asking me to come on. Uh, I know that I text constantly about the Knicks, so it's nice to actually speak words out loud about them, which is exciting. So. I'm glad that you guys asked me to come on. <laughs> so, Matthew, I, it's my understanding that, uh, I mean, I, you know, we've talked about it a little bit, but I feel like you're fairly disappointed in the Knicks this season, no? No, not at all. That is completely <laughs> inaccurate. <laughs> this is the best six-game stretch that I've watched as a Knicks fan in what feels like forever. And I know everyone likes to remind us of the mellow years. That never felt real enough for me. Not saying this feels real either, but, like, looking back, I wanted to be excited, but I think ultimately we all knew that they just didn't have enough with, with the mellow era. And there was no like, well, they can get this eventually because we were capped out. There were no real other players coming. And it always felt like this is kind of how good we are. This team isn't as good as that team, but the feeling that we can get significantly better, I feel, is higher than that team yeah, I agree. I think, you know, the other problem with the mellow years was that we were still only 10 years out or just a little over 10 years out from being respectable. And so even with mellow, like it just didn't think that we were any sort of real challenge to the heat. And so, yeah. you know, you just felt like, well, but we could be better than this. So like, I want us to be better than this. Now it's been 20 years since we were respectable. So now it's literally like I would kill for the mellow. Like I would take anything at this point. There's also just, like, clear skies. Like, there's no anchor. There's no disaster. There's no, like, Amari Stoudemire contract. There's no, like, albatross on our necks. There's always, like, in those years, there was always something where you're like, yeah, but this is a disaster that we have to deal with. And we we had no first-round picks. Or we have, like, there's, like, we have picks. We have some young talent. We have cap space. We have a coach who seems like maybe knows what he's doing. And we have, like someone running the show who like i don't know if they like know what they're doing but like they're not you know they have they're respected around the league and they you know they like are in charge and people know them and maybe they have some ideas <laughs> that can make us like this actually it feels like we're a car that's at least going on the road at a nice clip and there's nothing there's nothing in our way i, I totally agree i i think that that's that's fantastic to say because that's really all it is it's it's they're playing good enough to make me happy now. And the optimism is there. And if people don't see that, I don't know what to tell them. I just, <laughs> I think that it is an exciting time to be a Knicks fan. I agree. I feel like it's the most exciting in a long time. Like it's a young team. It's our team. We've like, none of these guys are like spoiled or tainted by any like associations, you know, like yeah. that mellow team was always a little bit inorganic. It was kind of thrown together. Like, yes. That was you a know, mishmash held together by a star player, which, yeah, we don't have a star player, but everyone else is on this roster right now is more promising than a lot of that roster, other than Melo. 
obviously, which is a big other than mellow, but yeah. Well, also the mellow team, like the mellow years, like there was really only one season that we were actually good, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it was, and when you think about yeah. that team, and our point like, coach was forty three years old, right? The whole team was so old. Like <laughs> we had, like Rashid Wallace was like yes. an important piece on that Huge. team, like Kenyon Martin or whatever. Like you know, it was really Such old. Such a weird team. Such a weird, such a weird team. team. Yeah. J.R. Smith was the second best player, or I guess Tyson Chandler was, but J.R. Smith yeah. was very important to that team. A like, lot of Novak. It was not a sustainable yeah. um, situation. Novak shot him way, his shot his way into an MSG job just based yeah. on that like, three years with the Knicks. <laughs> you know, it's so funny. Like we're at least we're old enough that like we saw good Knicks teams, right? And yeah. then we really went through the Valley. But there's, like, people who are, like, adults who haven't seen, like, who were the mellow. That was, like, the highlight yeah. of their fandom. Like, there's Knicks fans who Lynn Sanity was literally, like, the pinnacle of being a Knicks fan, you know? And, and like, for me, I always found that whole era, like, even that thing was, like, kind of sad. Like, it was fun, but it, there was something depressing about it. Like, you were just like, boy, we have an Asian point guard and... <laughs> And he's good. I guess this is cool. I don't know. Right. But he's like, right. That was the most exciting thing about that season because we knew that the pinnacle was an Asian point guard having a good night. Like, that was the best best that team could achieve. That was fun, though. That was fun. It was great, but it was like, there was something that was like a. Yes. It was bittersweet, I guess. It was like, okay, but what is this? It's also, it was like nothing interesting to talk about. It was just like, oh, that was fun. Like, yeah. we know he can't do that forever, and he's not gonna, and when he stops, the team stinks. And it was like, they couldn't put a winning team around Stephon Marbury. They sure as shit weren't going to become a winning team <laughs> with Jeremy Lin. Right. Just that, yeah. <laughs> I was so upset when he left, but in hindsight, it didn't really matter. But it was, I just feel like, see, I've been trying to get Scott to just like, I feel like Scott is so afraid of believing in this Knicks team a minute too soon. <laughs> yeah, I, I, mean, I get that. I get that, Scott. But what? Okay, so Scott, what are you so afraid of falling in love instantly? <laughs> Six games in, why won't you fall in love? And I know the heartbreak, but tell me, why won't you fall in love? Well, there, look, there's there's a lot of things in play here, Matthew. First of all. You can't decide to fall in love. You know, That's true. That's it's, fair. A, it's a good lesson to teach your children. It, you can't. I'm just not in love. Like, I'm not in love. I feel like, and I think the biggest issue we have is Julius Randle. Like, am I willing to embrace Julius Randle? And am I willing to embrace him as the best player on this team? And then, with those two things in mind, actually think we're a good team. And... I'm just not ready to do it yet. I want to, and it is. It's like I just I sound like 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 a like a bit character in a rom com, but it is like I want to love him. And I on paper, there's a lot to love, but I just don't feel it in my loins. You know what I mean? That's understandable. But you know, my my thing with Julius Randle is, I I genuinely don't think people understand how terrible of a coach David Fisdale actually. He, 
they they couldn't run a baseline out of bounds play. They couldn't run a sideline out of bounds play. They couldn't do anything. That guy's game plan was Julius just be better than you actually are. Like that was I think his plan what he drew on the whiteboard. And now you're just seeing six games in a real life NBA coach. Yeah, Julius Randle's not going to put up LeBron James numbers. We know that. But he's also fun. He's energetic. He wa- he plays hard. I, and even last year when he was terrible, if anyone said that he didn't play hard, I, I won't even listen to them talk about it because that's not true. But I just – he's good. He's a good player. He was a good player before he got here. He sucked with the worst coach potentially in Knicks history. And now he's playing pretty freaking great right now. And I think a lot of it is just a change of coach that knows what he's doing. But is is he, like, energetic? Do you feel energy from Julius Randle? Yo, when he when he was one on one with Sabonis in the paint the other night, he took on Sabonis, drew the uh, Sabonis missed, and then he drew the flat foul going for the loose ball. Right? If that didn't get you energized or on your feet, I, I, Scott, you don't want to fall in love. You. <laughs> I mean, look. If it makes you feel any better, I have the same, and I, I, I don't understand why, but I have the same feelings about RJ. Like, I'm not really in love with him either, and I'm, I'm really frustrated because, again, if we are going to be good and if we are going to be for real, RJ and Julius Randle both have to be good, and they have to play together, and. They suck at it, and it makes me mad at both of them. I don't want to take either of their side. I hate them both. I do think that Randall, it's more incumbent upon Randall to do something about it because he's the veteran player. But, like, RJ, too. It's like, yeah, you have these great nights, and then you have these other nights, and you stink. And I don't get it. And why are you doing this? Just be good all the time. The other way around, though. I think RJ is ultimately more important than Julius. Like, Julius Randall doesn't have to like we can get something out of Julius Randall if if he ends up not being as good as he is now and we have to like move on from Julius Randall or figure like that can be done like I think RJ being good is really critical because like he's 20 years old he's the guy that you're going to really build around like he's the guy who's going to maybe attract other players who want to come play with him like Julius Randall is this like pleasant surprise that to me has made this year's team actually maybe kind of good whereas like like when we started this year i was like i wanted to see mitch play really well and rj play well and then if like a Knox or frank or one of those guys could develop then like okay now we have a few nice pieces julius randall playing really well makes me go like oh maybe this team doesn't have to suck like maybe this team on its own is pretty good and then like all of a sudden we're not terrible and we could be a lot better than people think because julius randall whether he's going to be here for 10 years or one or just this year, like he's serving a dual purpose of making us pretty good in the short term and allowing these guys to like get better and be on a decent team and make us an attractive destination and, you know, put us on a upsell. So that's like, you don't necessarily, if you can't fall in love with Julius Randall, like, I don't think you have to, but RJ does have to be good. No, I totally agree with you, and that's why I think it's Randall who has to figure out how to play with RJ and not the other way around. Right, but I feel like so, I just think sometimes you are like he's got to do it like today. Like <laughs> I remember on one of our texts where you were like, "This is a big quarter for RJ Barrett." 
and it was like the third quarter of like the fourth game. And I was like, you know, I'm willing to give him Toronto. another quarter after this one before I throw him in the garbage. But, you know, I, I think they'll figure it out. Why doesn't RJ handle the ball more? Why doesn't he run? Why doesn't the offense run through him more often? I, if RJ Barrett was shooting like five percent better from the field, you everybody would be thrilled with RJ Barrett. Like he's averaging like sixteen points, seven rebounds, four assists, and shooting like twenty five percent from the field. If he was shooting forty percent from the field. No one would be complaining about R.J. Barrett. No, I agree with you. That's why I sort of think that one of the reasons he's shooting so bad is because he he ends up in the corner where we kick it to him, and that's just not what he is. Like, why isn't he bringing the ball up and attacking the basket and being the one to kick it out? I don't understand why that's not happening more. And and maybe it doesn't have to. I just don't know why it's not. I got to tell you, I think part of that is I think he's a better dribbler than Randall. I think a lot of times when we see them sort of defer to Barrett in that sense, he turns the ball over a lot. And I know like Randall turns the ball over a lot too, but that's because Randall has the ball in his hands 80% of the game. If you gave that to Barrett, I think we'd see a lot more careless passes and it would be a little bit more discouraging than how some Nick fans already feel about him right now. I don't, I don't think he's a great passer. I think he's, strong with the ball he's good when he just goes kind of like how everyone hated Randall for that last year but I don't I don't know how great he is at penetrating breaking down a defense and kicking it I believe it or not I think Randall's better at it than he is but so then if he can't do that and he's not a good three-point shooter like is he good (laughs) what like I he's he's 20 years old and he's he's good but well what is he good at he's 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 crafty. He he reminds me so much of Melo without a jump shot. And Melo without a jump shot probably sucks. Which is <laughs> right, right. <laughs> like, I think because he's slow, but, like, he scores in wiry, weird ways. And you're like, how does this – like, that's an NBA move that he just made. And that's he's why – I think he's strong, he's big, too. Strong, he's big. He – and I, I think that the jump shot – the fact that his free throws have gotten better – tells me his jump shot can get better too and if his jump shot doesn't come together he's really not that good because he's not as quick as russell westbrook at getting to the rim he doesn't break down a defense like those guys that can't shoot but he's got to develop a jump shot and yeah he doesn't have to hit threes he can't no. he's got to hit twos like he's got to be like a demar Derozan type player like he, he can't be he can't shoot like 40 percent from mid-range yeah. he's got to be a good mid-range shooter but I, I do think he will be so I, I think so too i think the jump shot will come okay it's not ugly it's not broken he just it, it just and i think end. he does handle the ball pretty well i mean he's averaging like four assists scott like i don't i don't they're not going to turn the whole offense over to him like i oh, yeah. think he, they pick their spots where he's the lead ball handler but it's not all the time like you know i I don't know how much you want them to put on his plate but they they he plays like a ton of minutes He's handling the ball. He's like, you know, he's just missing a few shots. I just want to point out, I asked you guys, what is RJ good at? You spent a couple of minutes relisting the things he's not good at. Matt called him mellow without a jumper. Then we said he's big, strong, better at free throws and has to shoot better from two. So like, I still don't know. My point is like, you're, I guess that's a fair point. Like, what do I want the Knicks to put on his plate? And how much do I really think he should be handling the ball? He is playing a ton of minutes. But I guess it's just like, 
what is he good at? If he's not going to handle the ball, if he's not going to, he does handle the ball and he plays good defense. And as a big guard, like he, he can guard. He's very good on defense. He can get to the basket. He draws fouls. Like, he can score. He just needs to like make some more open jump shots. If he was making more of his open jumpers right now, like a lot of people would be talking about what a great start RJ Barrett was off to. I do agree with that. And yeah, I I don't think that he's not good at handling the ball. I think right now as a 20-year-old, Randall's just better at it. And Thibodeau wants to win games. I, I think that that's what it is. I think Rand, he trusts Randall more. Thibodeau's big like that. Like Reggie Bullock's still playing because Thibodeau trusts him for whatever reason that is. But he he trusts certain guys to do certain things, and I just don't think he's there yet with RJ, which is fine, I guess. <laughs> I, w- I would just love it to see him, because I, I agree. I think he's really good at attacking the basket. Now his free yeah. throws are better. He should be attacking the basket more. He should be getting to the line more. Um, I would just like to see him do more of it, and I would like for there to be stretches where like it's like RJ time. I would like that too. I'm 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 thinking that I don't know when, but I think we're going to start to see him and Randall on the court together a little bit less. I think you're going to see RJ as these other guys start coming back healthy like quickly and Rivers. I think we're going to see RJ play a little bit more with that group. Like not that he's going to come off the bench or anything, but I think we're going to see him start to divvy up when Randall and RJ need to be on the court and like slowly wean RJ into that role. I think that that's what we're going to see because they haven't been healthy. They really haven't. They've been yeah. playing eight guys for what three games in a row. Yeah. See, we start to get some of that, then I'm going to start to to get the tingling, a little tingling now. Yeah, <laughs> I got we've, you. We've only played six games. Two of them, he was great. You know, like, but I mean, I hear you. Like, he's the key. I mean, if he's not good, this all gets depressing like very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> There's something though about guys like him, like like Brian. You just said what he's averaging, and we're all saying he's been good two out of six games, and he's still averaging what'd you say, like 15 points a game, seven 16. rebounds a game. Yeah, yeah. Like there's there's certain players that do that. Like they look like crap, and then yeah, you can't just look at the box score, but he does th- he does a lot of things well enough to still be a starter in the NBA. Like. Like, if you just read his box score, you'd be like, wow, RJ's having a pretty good game. We just watch every second of him playing. We're like, oh, my God, what is this guy doing? But he's still putting up good numbers, even with four out of six games being, like, universally terrible. Right. Two of them, he was like, horrible. 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 <laughs> horrible. Now, on that note, we are going to wrap up the radio show. Thanks, everybody, for listening. RadioFreeBrooklyn.com. Thank you, for uh, Matt, for joining us today. Uh, let's go, Knicks. Big week this week. We'll see everybody next week. And bonus time for our podcast listeners. So, Matthew, just to let you know. Welcome to bonus time. But welcome to bonus time. <laughs> I saw this last week when, I, when you told me and I was watching your show. Bonus time. It seems like everyone got a little more relaxed, a little more comfortable. Exactly. We're, yeah, <laughs> we're in bonus time. Out, the cocktails. So, at this point, six games in, have your feelings changed from, say, last spring or even in the preseason, where what if we have, you know, some star player gets unhappy somewhere? Who cares where? Pick your favorite one in your mind. Doesn't matter who they are. And they want to come to the Knicks, and we got to give up RJ for that person. Like, are you still a no way? Are you looking, are you are you more open to it now than you would have been before the season started? It, it really depends on the player. 
Um, but I'm really at no way because I just I still don't think that they're there. I don't think because like someone that comes available to me in my mind, I think Bradley Beal is going to become available at some point this year. I love Bradley Beal. Brian knows I love Bradley Beal. You know I love Bradley Beal. I'm not ready to trade R.J. Barrett for Bradley Beal. I don't think Bradley Beal makes them even a top four team in the East. Um, I just I, I'm not ready to trade Barrett. And and for someone like Bradley Beal, I don't think Barrett's doing it. It's going to be like Barrett, this year's pick, and the Mavs pick. Like, that's crazy. I just – because they're not – he doesn't make them – if they're going to do a trade for a star, it has to be, in my opinion, pretty much the best player in the league, like Giannis. And I have to really immediately after the trade not be like, oh, well, now if we had a free – no. The trade happens, I'm going to the finals. Like, that right. needs to be it. And I don't think that player exists or will become available. Okay. That's fair. Brian, what about you? Yeah, no, I would let it play out. Like, they have the two first-round picks. Like, yeah, I wouldn't want to make a really risky deal at this point. Like, I, I don't know. We, You know, we still haven't seen, like, what Toppin's going to be. You know, we haven't seen quickly at all. Like, what makes me so excited about this team is, like, I, I look at, like, every position, and I like the starter and the guy who comes in after him. Like, I like we get 48 minutes of center play that I like. Mm-hmm. We have power yeah. forward. We're going to have Randall and Obi. Like, I like, I'm intrigued, like watching both those guys. And then I'll throw Knox in there. He, he's, he can play power forward too, right? Like, I like the Burks Bullock combo. Like, I, I, don't, I don't like both of them in too much quantity, but together split up in a nice amount. I like, and Bullock less than Burks, but, you know, like two pretty solid players. Like, then you get to the backcourt now. All of a sudden, we have about three different guards that I like between rivers and quickly. Like, so then you talk about, we have two first round picks. We've got some cap space. Like, I I don't know. I'm not like throwing away, like making a huge trade where we get rid of a ton of young talent for, you know, it'd be like repeating the mellow trade. Right. I don't want to do that again. I'd rather like, let's see what we got here. Like play this out, see what those picks are going to be. Like, I, I don't think that move, probably won't present itself this year and i don't think the Knicks should make it if it did no, no i agree with you guys both I, I it's really to me it wasn't necessarily about making a trade it's just sort of still getting a gauge on rj because he's another one i don't know why i'm not in love i i gotta tell you Ishii, and brian just mentioned his name and and my my heart's racing i don't think like i think the rj thing i'm worried less about rj because i think emmanuel quickly is better and I think Manuel quickly is the guy that everyone needs to be completely excited and nuts over. That guy can play, man. I'm, I'm telling you, I don't even, I'm not even worried about drafting one of these awesome point guards next year. Cause I think he's that good. And if we get one of those top picks and Cade is available, then I think quickly easily moves to the shooting guard quickly. He was drafted. I thought he was a three and D guy. This guy's a complete true NBA point guard. You could just tell the way he moves. He makes, to me, less pressure on RJ, and I'm not freaking out about RJ not being great because I think Quickly's a better player. Already, actually. I think Quickly's a better player. <laughs> so you just think Quickly is I can get be- nuts in bonus time, right? I can get a little <laughs> You can get nuts, but I, okay. if, if Quickly is better than RJ, isn't that a huge problem? No. That's great. Why is that a huge problem? I mean, it depends like, how good think, he is. Well, right. Yeah, I guess that's what I mean. Like, he's going to be a superstar. I, I, you have, I think he is so good. I really do. 
I don't, I don't see I don't see that, but I I like him really excited about quickly because he's fuck? so confident. He's like he's like no fear out there. Like he makes stuff happen. I, he just seems a little small to me, like to where like he could actually be a true superstar. Um, for today, him he's being like good. Six three and long now. He's six three and he's long. Yeah, that's true. Him being good would change a lot. Like him being good solves a lot of problems. He's good. Uh, I mean, he got hurt right away, like instantly, yeah, okay. and he's true. and he's back. It's <laughs> not like his hip turned into his knee, turned into his back. He he got run into by a seven foot monster, Miles Turner. I'd probably be sore week two. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of guys who are seven foot monsters in the NBA. He's gonna probably run into a bunch of those guys. Yeah, he's <laughs> like, smart. He's smart for that. He learned. He he's gonna he's, he's play the fouls. He draws those fouls. Yeah, he's one of those big, like, one of those guys. Yeah, in Kentucky, he he, he averaged, I think I was uh, reading yesterday, he averaged like 5.4 free throws a game at Kentucky. I don't even think he started on Kentucky. Like, I just, I think that they, for once, had a plan. And, like, they brought in the, the uh, Kenny Payne, and he was like, you have to draft this guy. And no one, I don't think anyone even thought about him. And everyone looked at him and was like, yeah, this guy's worth moving up a half a round and take this guy. And I, if Thibodeau was on board and the way Thibs talks about him, I don't know. I trust, I, I, I think Quickly's awesome. I I'm think so he's excited. good too. I'm yeah. So I, I think he's, I can't wait to watch him play tonight. Like I, 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 I can't, I can't stop thinking about him. I, I think he's I good too, but I think if he's play. better than RJ already, we have an issue. RJ <laughs> needs to be better than that. <laughs> I think RJ needs to be good too. I think your trepidation, Scott, is that RJ, yes, yeah, some of his games have been like two for 19. That's a big problem. Like, yeah. That can't happen on a consistent basis. But I don't think RJ's ever going to stink. Like, I agree. Yeah. Like, I don't think know, so either. He might not be the superstar that we want him and need him to be, but I mean, he's an NBA player. You know, it's not like he's a third too- overall pick. It's great that he's an NBA player. I don't dispute that he's an NBA player. <laughs> But he's a third no. overall pick. He's an NBA starter. Like he's a he's, he's a, a he's a piece. Like I think he's an absolute building block piece. And you put him with Mitchell Robinson, who's looking awesome all of a sudden. I think maybe putting it together. I love that Tibbs likes him. That yeah. means a lot to me. Like I was worried about that relationship. I thought I didn't know that they were gonna get along, Mitchie and, and Tibbies. <laughs> but I like that they like each other. Yes. And they like I think there's a lot of guys that come into the league that struggle with their jump shot in the NBA. Like Jalen Brown comes to mind and now Jalen Brown shoots pretty damn well for the Celtics. And once he got his jump shot, he's like a top player in the East right he's now. He's good. Yeah. Brown, yeah. You know? And I, I just, like I said, his form's not broken. He does look like he's shooting a medicine ball. I'm not entirely sure why it looks <laughs> like that, but it doesn't, it looks heavy but the forms there and whenever he shoots it, I'm like, just cause it's art. Like if I didn't know RJ shot it and I just saw the hand, the elbow and the ball, I'd be like, Oh, that's going in. And then I realize it's number nine. I go, well, that's it's, yeah, it doesn't go in. <laughs> I, I mean, I think at least, I don't know, maybe if we look back and watch the episode, it'll prove me wrong. I do think I've been somewhat conscious to not use the S word stinks on RJ which is a big word within our group dynamic, and, and people who listen to the show probably already know it. I'm not saying RJ stinks. I'm just saying I don't feel like either one of you is making a very compelling case to me about why I should be excited that RJ Barrett is a Nick. 
think we're trying to convince you to be excited about R.J. Barrett. I think we're just like, don't. Don't panic. Don't panic. Okay. If, if you're, and you know me, I'm hopelessly optimistic. I'm not excited about R.J. Barrett. I, I also, I'm just kind of like, all right, let's just see how he plays before I really freak out one way or the other, which is also difficult for me. But um, I just, yeah, I, I don't think he's doing anything super exciting that makes you be like, oh, yeah, he's a franchise player. But that doesn't make me also say, I think we messed up and this guy's worthless and we're probably not even going to re-sign him after his rookie deal. Yeah, I don't think those things either, Brian. Yeah, I think he's good. I think he's good. <laughs> I think he does a lot of things. I like RJ a lot. I think he's good. he's better than I thought he was going to be. I think he's good. Like, he's just missing the shot. And, again, I think what Matt said, that he's like, the fact he improved his free throws so much makes me think he's going to hit shots. Mm-hmm. He, the thing when you say, like, he's he's not super athletic and, like, oh, what does he do well? Like, he's big and he's strong. Like, he, you know, he's got, like, Oladipo guarding him, and he just takes him to the block, and he, he can kill those guys down there. Like, he can post up. He can handle the ball. He plays. He can guard multiple positions. He's he's good. And you and when if he's not the guy that's the savior, but he's the guy that like is a rock. Like I think he's gonna be the guy that then the other stuff starts to get filled in around. He's not by himself. He's not you know the guy that you pop him in and then you're good for ten years. But I do think he's the thing that's going to. And if you, and if I'm wrong, I do, I think it's a big problem. But no, I, actually, I think I think, I I think that's that's right. I think that's the 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 case for RJ, and that's what it is that he does well, and that's uh that's that really was compelling. I felt like that argument. It's yeah. it's and now, but it's again. My question is then, why aren't we seeing more of it? Like why? Well. Yeah. I think we're seeing it. He's 20 years old. He plays 40 minutes a night. Like he's filling up the box sheet. He just had two games where he couldn't hit a sheet. He couldn't <laughs> make anything. Like they were open looks too. Like that one game, the game against the Raptors. I mean, eight of those nine misses were like wide open, you know? Like, I don't know. And it sounds so silly too, but like if his misses weren't so terrible, like. <laughs> <laughs> Almost hits the top of the backboard, right? <laughs> but Andy's also like, so wide open. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like if he just missed like a normal person, like oh right. back rim, front rim, you'd be like, all right. It's but like every now and then, it's like, who the hell is even letting well, this? <laughs> <laughs> it's like you like gave him a basketball he'd never shot before. It's it's bizarre. And like if the misses weren't that ugly, I I know it sounds stupid, but I don't think people would freak out. It's like. I don't know. Some of them no shot going in. But they still look good coming off his arm. They still look good coming off his hand. All right. But that's also why I don't want to trade him for, like, the superstar. Because I think if we get a superstar through the draft or free agency, I think he's really important and can be really good with a guy that could get him the ball where he needs it and a, a guy that can play to RJ's strength rather than RJ being – a primary primary ball handler because I I don't know if he's that. Yeah, you're, I guess you're right, and I guess too, like I've been looking at because I think too we we compare him pretty often to Jimmy Butler, and that's sort of the lens through which I look at him yeah. with. Um, but I think Brian's right. Like 
you know, he can kind of get anywhere on the floor he wants. And if we can get him a ball in that spot, like we're in really good shape. And I guess that's kind of what frustrates me about Randall. And that ends up frustrating me about both guys constantly is that Randall's not the guy that's going to really unlock RJ like that. And, and so like we have both of them on the floor and they're both supposed to be really good players, but they don't play well together. And it just feels like we're not maximizing that situation. And I just feel like frustrated by that, I guess. I just feel like Randall playing this well makes it so that this can be fun while we wait to keep building this team around all these young guys. Like we can actually have some fun this year. He's playing awesome. He can, he's maybe part of the future, maybe not, but he makes it good in the short term while the long term, he doesn't harm the long term at all. So like, that's where I think Julius Randall is good. And, and he's making this season a lot of fun. He is making it a lot of fun. And either he's going to play great and be a Nick or he's going to play great and get us a nice draft pick. So yeah, yeah. I, I prefer at this point to keep him just because I like him. Me I too. Just, no, I, yeah, he's 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 gaining there. He's getting in my heart. He's and in my way, bosom. Quickly's going to help unlock R.J. Barrett because quickly. I agree with that. Player. I think that's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I want to see them play together. In all honesty, obviously, you guys know that I'm joking and being hyperbolic on purpose. But in, uh, I, I want to see them play. I want to see quickly and Barrett play because I think, I think quickly is super smart. I think he's a super smart player, super skilled, and just very poised. And I don't know where the confidence is coming from, but God damn it, he's full of it. <laughs> <laughs> Help is on the way, Scott. We've been on the desert. Help is on the way. The cavalry is coming. Something's happening. I believe something is happening. Something I don't know is what it is. Happening. Something is happening. <laughs> I think you guys are like Julius Randall's friends, and you're trying to convince me to ask him to the homecoming dance, and I'm not so sure that I'll, be, right. that I'll be <laughs> that I'll be ready. <laughs> I might text him you up after the dance, but I, you know. <laughs> uh, but I no, I think those are good points. I do feel a little bit better about it. Who do we have tonight again? Is the Hawks Atlanta? Yeah, Atlanta. The, yeah. Fun. So that's. Um, a fun game. I, I want I want quickly to cover Trey Young so bad. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, I cannot wait to see him cover him. I hope that it happens. I mean, if quickly outplays Trey Young tonight, I'm gonna have to turn my phone off. You're gonna be going bananas. I'm I'm gonna throw my phone out the window. I won't be texting <laughs> it. I'm just gonna fire it across the house. I feel like, you know, the best part about the dynamic of our group text is, like, Matt's super positive, always ready to, like, start planning the parade, and Scott is always ready to fire everybody, and I'm trying to navigate it. is going to hit his first three tonight. They're going to be up 3 nothing. I'm going to text Nishi. Everything you said was wrong. You're an idiot. What's going to happen? On one shot. Yeah, what's everyone's schedule tonight? What do you mean? I have... It's a 7.30 start, so I should be okay. watching it pretty much when it begins because they usually tip around 7.45. Kids are in bed by about then. I should be I should be live watching it, hopefully. You're lucky. Is that what you meant? Yes. You're lucky <laughs> to get your kids in bed by 7.45. Jeez. 7.30, man. We give them melatonin. Do you give Haley oh. melatonin? Oh, we've done that occasionally. Do you do that? How regularly do you do that? <laughs> regularly enough. <laughs> yeah, no. I, I like my daughter sometimes. It's like just – In it's all like my What's the dosage? Like, what do you give? Really it's, low. It's like one milligram, and okay. and we I cut it in half, so I give them half each. Okay. Yeah. But uh, one of my friends started doing it, and so I asked the pediatrician, and they I said, "Can you give it to him every night?" And they said, "Absolutely." I said, "Seriously?" And they were like, "Yeah." I go, all right. Been giving it to him every night for about six months now, and 
Everything is bad. Everything is bad. Wow. I've been a few times, but maybe I'm going to start pushing it more frequently. I've been wondering how you swing some of these Knicks games with two kids. Like, I get get them in because I only got the one. So on nights when it's Nicole's turn, that's how I get these Knicks games on. But otherwise... we give them melatonin at six thirty. We read books at seven thirty, seven forty-five. They are both out. They also don't nap. I don't know if any of your kids nap. No, no. Haley stopped napping when she was like a year and a half old. Same thing with Mia. It was crazy. Ben stopped napping when he was like three, but Mia, same thing. Year and a half, probably. Yeah. Crazy. I have to put on a little performance every night. I, I really am tired of it. <laughs> the book, the songs. <laughs> I have like a set list. All right, what am I going to sing tonight? <laughs> I've had it. That should be featured on next week's podcast. Right. <laughs> right. I'll sing a couple of the hits. Right. <laughs> am I too excited about the Knicks? Am I? Yes. Am I just being my crazy self? But there's more reason for it. Like even last year, Scott, I I knew they sucked. I didn't get. I I, I at no point last year got nuts. Right. Except except the year before when Kevin Durant fully signed a contract and then tore his ACL, his Achilles and they tore up the contract also that year I was out of my mind just cause I knew they were coming and they didn't come I'm telling you they were. Um, <laughs> but last year, I don't remember losing my mind over little things. I don't, I think, I think it died I was very beaten down last year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think like once the Knicks season ended last year, we just shifted ourselves to the endless Porzingis fighting, but Yes, but I think no. I don't think you're crazy for thinking they're good this year. Like I, my thing with you, Matthew, that I'm always trying to express to you is like, okay, I think they're good. It's like the the analogy with the pool, right? I'm like, all right, I'll sit at the edge of the pool and I'll just dangle my feet in and I'll see how this goes. And then you just grab me by the leg and yank me into the pool <laughs> and then try and swim to the bottom of the deep end with me. And I'm just like, oh, get me out of here! Like, yeah, that's that's genuinely a perfect analogy. That's exactly. <laughs> So I don't think you're crazy for thinking that they're good. I'm just not willing to touch the bottom of the deep end yet. That's all. I think I think you think I'm crazy. Your analogy was me drowning my best friend in the deep end. Of the deep end. <laughs> <laughs> I think you think I'm crazy. <laughs> Fair. Fair. But we're all crazy. Like, I'm not well adjusted. I just, I can't wait to see what quickly does tonight. I'm so happy he's back. He's so much fun to watch. Don't you think he looks like a real point guard? Yes. I think, right, right. like he knows what to do with the ball. He knows what he's doing as soon as he gets the ball. He's constantly moving. He's always probing, pressing. Like, yeah, no, I love watching him too. Yeah. He's so good. I love it. We have not seen a point guard play like him. I, I I can't even think of the player of who it was that a point guard looked like him as a point guard with the ball in his hands. Like it was, I guess, Derrick Rose for for 10 okay. minutes he was yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he had one such game yeah yeah <laughs> all right um uh, i actually have to get going but all right. uh great episode guys i'm glad this we did this was a ton of fun thank you so yeah, much guys you, I, I i i hope it was as much fun for you as it was for me i had a blast yeah it was a blast and uh i'm sure we'll all be communicating constantly uh during the atlanta game tonight Yes, I will be sending a text probably at 7.48 and let you know <laughs> all of my feelings in one – actually, not one text. I usually send about 36. <laughs> 36 separate incoherent thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> all, right. all right. See everybody next week. Take care. Take care.